Let's turn our Bibles to start 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verses 3 through verse number 8. We'll read that together and we'll start. While you're getting that, it didn't make it on our bulletin. It is on our online bulletin. But we're having a church-wide bowling at the Eden Lanes here on Saturday, February 18th. Saturday, February 18th. And like, like we did last year, <clears throat> excuse me, 4 to 6, we're going to do the bowling over there. And you're responsible for your shoes and for your uh, bowling. And then at 6, we'll move over here to the church, 6 to 7. And the church is providing us a pizza and drinks. So all you have to bring is an appetite when you come this way. Bring all your money over there. But, uh, and bring your skills. I'm, I'm, I'm set to try to beat the greatest bowler last year. And I think it was Mrs. Cole at 200 and plus points. Wasn't it? Very modest, but still a competition is on. And we'll go after her. All right? They're surprised, Brother Sam, if you're here. You're not here yet? Brother Sam has a prize for those that become a winner of top number one. I have to confirm with him. That's not for sure yet, but I'll talk to him. Maybe a, a new car. We'll see. Brought to you by Haslett Plumbing and Family. If you're listening online, brother, come quickly and defend yourself. First Thessalonians, that's not all true, okay? Don't get, if you're new here. We're just having a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of fun. I will not address that. First Thessalonians one chapter number one verse number three. I think Brother Kelly has already passed out our bulletin, our uh, notes, I should say. It's all passed out. All right. Uh, again, Happy Hearts Day to everybody as we celebrate love. I pray that you uh, find time to look at what the Scripture says. And let us not be uh, finding our definition of what love is from the world. God is love, and it's so close to him that it should be uh, founded in the Scripture. Don't assume you know it, and don't assume you remember it all the time. All right? The Bible tells us we are, uh, we are prone to forget. So God uh, uses his word to remind us. All right? Remind us of the truth. So uh, I don't pretend to know the entire Bible, uh, but yet I don't pretend to remember everything I ever learned about the Bible. And so the habit of going and at it every day, the habit of going to a church that preaches it, going to a session where somebody's teaching me, somebody's preaching me, I'm listening to it in a different form, uh, maybe a trusted preacher on, online that, I, that I, I know their doctrine and such, uh, it's always good to be reminded of the truth, Okay. It's always good to be reminded of the truth. Just like you eat every day because uh, you get full for a time and then you need food again. You need sustenance. And the Bible's likened us to a food for our soul. And so uh, don't be afraid to say, well, I remember that, but I've forgotten. Well, then relearn it. All right? Prepare that meal again and uh, partake of it and uh, let the Holy Spirit work in your life. First, Thessalonians, I hope you're there by this point. We'll read verse number 3 of chapter number 1. Verse number 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. And there's the thought. Wow, crazy. I haven't thought about that. But here's the word. It reminds us of that we are needing of reminding. 
remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. For knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Verse 6. And ye became followers of us, and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia and Thessalonians and the Thessalonican church had a great testimony. We'll, we'll talk about it today. Uh, <clears throat> verse number 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Well, they were not getting preached that about going soul winning because they heard of their fate. God word is spoken abroad. It was publicized. It was broadcasted. It was advertised. It was proclaimed out and about, not just in their region, but uh, uh, around the surrounding areas. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. And we'll continue, Lord, we come to you and are thankful. Pray that you'd bless us. We study your word. Help us to follow the example of a church, Lord, that was on earth at one point, a real church, a real place, Lord, that had a gathering of men and women that believed you and trusted you. And, Lord, they set an example, and we can read about it from your word. Your Holy Ghost chose to write about this through the Apostle Paul. And now in 2023, Lord, we can learn about it at Faith Bible Baptist Church. And may we be challenged and may we be encouraged more than challenged to say we can do it too. Because the God that they serve is the same God that we serve. Lord, I pray that we would have a burden, that we would have a heart, that we would be willing, Lord, to do what you have laid out for us this morning. We ask that you bless our services today. Starting with Sunday school, all the teachers now, I pray you protect them, provide uh, the wisdom, Lord, that we don't have. Lord, help us, guide us, Holy Ghost. And I pray for the, the students as they sit and they listen. Lord, I pray that distraction would be at a non, uh, minimum, at almost none, Lord, I pray, so that uh, we can concentrate and that our, our, our hearts would, Lord, be in geared. Our minds would be uh, in tune, Lord, to what is being said. Help me, Lord, as I teach and help my words. I pray that I would be understood. Lord, I pray that the Holy Ghost would bring us understanding hearts. And Lord, I pray that it will result in wisdom in our lives. And so we can enact, Lord, what we have learned this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. On Paul's second missionary journey, he stopped in the city of Thessalonica. We find that whole record in Acts 17. We don't have time to read that. But in Acts 17, you'll find the story uh, a real event that happened that Paul stumbled upon. And I say that humanly, but God led him to this place in Thessalonica. And what a church Thessalonica was. And look at Acts, just for the sake of it, 17, we'll read 1 to 4. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica 
where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, so kind of gives us a glimpse of what Paul did when he traveled. He went to the synagogue. His first group of people he always came to was the Jews. Now, we know that Paul was a Jew, but the Lord later led him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And praise the Lord for that, because of his work, we Americans, most of us are Gentiles, are saved directly because of what Paul did, obeying God, in that spreading the truth to the Gentiles as well. And, and in the book of Acts, you see the transition of God, how God works with the Jews, and then how he worked with Samaritans, and then how he worked with Gentiles. And Samaritans were half-breeds, okay? They were part uh, Jew and also part Gentiles. And they were looked at as something that was an obscuring of the world. They were, they were not accepted by the Jewish culture. All right, uh, But God showed them that God could also save them. And then God later on uh, would show us that God can save even the pagans, the heathens, and that would be us, the Gentiles, the barbarians, the Greeks. We can get saved. And so praise the Lord for that, uh, that all, all throughout history we find that God was always working to the end degree to see all men saved. He was always doing that. He started with the Jews, but then he, he moved on. Praise the Lord. He'll end up with the Jew in Revelation, and God will reconcile the Jews back to himself. What an exciting time that would be, and I will be in the front rows, hopefully, or maybe in the back rows with some stools. I can stand and look and see what's happening during the tribulation, because I'm a pre-trib, so I'm gone. If you were mid-trib, you can stay for the half of it, and if you want to stay the whole thing, you can be post-trib. It's up to you. I got early tickets, so I got mine. Look at verse number uh, two. And Paul, as his manner was, went unto them in three, sa- in, in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. See, a missionary's work is done by going to a place where the people are at and then engaging them and using the scriptures. All right? Verse three, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead that this Jesus, not another Jesus, not another gospel, this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, this Jesus that they crucified, this exact Jesus, this particular Jesus, because there's a lot of Jesus out there. If you go to Korea, they're proclaiming that he's a Messiah over there. There was a Filipino that proclaimed he was until they found him in immorality and now he's in prison. So he's no longer Jesus. But anyways, but anyways, uh, whom I preached unto you, in Christ. I don't know if he's listening to me. I just shout out to Mr. Kiboloi. All right? That was his name. Whom I preach unto you in Christ. Verse 4. And some of them believed and concerted with Paul and Silas. Look at the hope. When you go out, you bring the scripture, you open up the scripture, you start engaging in conversation. And what happens? Verse number 4. Some believe. You know, that was my, hit, my, my story over and over and over as we went to the Philippines in 2012. We went out. We brought the scriptures with us. The same truth I learned in this place, the same baptism I was baptized with in this place, the same church membership uh, principle that we taught in this place, the same music standard we have in this place as taught in scripture, the same husband and wife principle that we preach about from the scripture in this place. I brought all of that and taught the people there about Jesus first, salvation. And as they came, 
I was able to help them with their marriages and show them what the Bible says about a husband, what she, his role and his responsibility is, his wife and what her role is and her responsibilities and what the children's role and responsibility in the family and so on and so forth. And what we see, some of them believe. Some of them believe and some of them now are part of North Cebu Baptist Church. And some of those people have moved on and started other churches at Fairhaven Baptist Church, which we support them in Bantay Island. They're in the middle of the building program. This morning, I was watching North Cebu. They do the groundbreaking. I don't know why. They had the sikat nga pastor nila. And uh, some of them might be watching. So uh, I'm making fun of them because they didn't invite me to this groundbreaking. I can't believe they had helmets. They had shovels. It was cement, and they put dirt on it, and they just put... I understand. They got banner on the back, Filipino style, all the way. Grabe. But anyways, uh, they did all of that. And uh, we got another brother that from that ministry has started a church. Uh, uh, he calls it Northeast now, Baptist Church. They're in Bohol. And they're in the middle of a building program because the church is growing. People are giving. People have been taught the principle of giving. And now they're giving to their local church. They have the money now to build, one is building a parsonage for their pastor, another one is building Sunday school classes, another one is building because they were meeting under a mango tree. So now they're going to build a proper building. So God is doing the work. And uh, praise the Lord, uh, as we, Faith Bible Baptist Church, I remember this wasn't here. That wing wasn't here. It was just this, and it didn't look like this. Now we've got beautiful equipments because they blame it on me because I move around. And uh, now we've got cameras that senses my faces. And as I move over here, it's going to look at it later on, uh, see if it's working. But anyways, it's crazy how things have progressed. And from this church now, Hilltop Baptist Church is independent. They're on their own. They're on their own. Pray for them. Uh, now we have Countryside. Now we have uh, Brightway Baptist Church. And so... It's amazing because some people obey God and they go out, they bring the truth of the scripture, they open it up, they engage in conversation, and they see a result. Some believe. So I challenge you, if you want to go out soul winning, not all of them will believe you. Not all of them will welcome you. But there's always hope. There's some that will believe. Some will believe. Go out there and try it out. Go out and try it out. Don't believe me what I'm saying. You do it yourself. Go out there and try to do it at your workplace. Do it discreetly. Be wise as serpent, harmless as dove. Be good with your words. Be well studied about what you're talking about. All right? Learn the truth. Get some gospel tracts. Learn. Study some truths that will be pertinent to the people you're, you're, you're working. If you're talking to a humanist, you better, you better get some ideas about ap- apologetics. Get to know a little bit of that and know some things. And you don't have to know everything, but go out there because some will believe. And consorted with Paul and Silas and devout Greeks, a great multitude of the cheap women, not a few. All right? You got people getting saved, men and women getting saved. All right? During this second missionary journey. The church that Paul planted at Thessalonica was not, was what many have considered to be the model church of the first century. And why was that? Because the city of Thessalonica itself had some unique and desirable features. Thessalonica was located in the northern uh, of Greece. It's a free city uh, with its own government. It was also the capital city of the region of Macedonia. The Thessalonica was an important metropolis in the Roman period. It was a trade hub for the Roman Empire. The city on the famous 
Ignatian Way, Rome's greatest highway and most traveled trade route between Rome and Constantinople. All right? It was not the location, but it was not the location or the political freedom of the city that made the church testimony successful. It was the on, uh, all right, I'm going to say this word now. Pray for me. Authenticity. Wow. Praise the Lord. Of the Christians in the church. Here was a real church with sincere Christians who are following Christ in truth. The outcome of their authenticity was a witness that spread throughout not only their own region, but abroad as well. And we read that, all right? We read that already. Now, look at point number one for you uh, on your notes there. Point number one, the title of this lesson is A Real Witness. A Real Witness, okay? And there's more to it than just saying the gospel and sharing the gospel. There's more to it, okay? And we'll see that in this lesson, all right? The remembrance of the apostle. So that's your first blank right there, Roman numeral one. The remembrance of the apostle, A-P-O-S-T-L-E. A-P-O-S-T-L-E. Throughout the book of First Thessalonians, Paul addressed questions and concerns this church had concerning the end times and the rapture. That's why he wrote a second book, I believe, Second Thessalonians, because they got so excited. If you read First Thessalonians, these people got excited. There's always mention of Christ's second coming in every chapter of First Thessalonians, and people were asking him, so if that's the case, we need to do this and this and this. And Paul, on the second, second book, said, wait, hold on, and corrected some of the result because they were so excited. Uh, <clears throat> Paul addressed questions concerning this church as concerning the end times and the rapture. But before he even touched on these issues, he reminded, uh, he reminisced on his stay in uh, Thessalonica, and he couldn't help but give thanks for, the, for these faithful Christians. Look at that now uh, in First Thessalonians chapter number 1, 2 to 3. He talked about that. He said, uh, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in, in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. When he thought of these people, he was reminded of that particular aspect. And we're going to look at those, letter A here. Uh, letter A is work of faith. We'll, we'll, we'll dissect that verse, uh, verse number three. So work of faith. F-A-I-T-H. That's your letter A in your notes. Letter A in your notes there, the work of faith. The Christian of Thessalonica had not just given a mental assent to Christ. They had placed their faith in him. And as a result, they had the product of genuine faith. Faith that works. Their faith was the kind that produced action. And look at it, James 2 and verse number 18 on your notes. It says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, the whole book of James, the central focus of that is for us as Christians to show our faith to men, not to God, okay? Don't get confused with that, because God says in Jeremiah, he seeth our hearts, but man don't see our hearts, all right? So man has to see a result of what has happened inside where they can't see. You understand that? We talked about baptism. Baptism is to show the world and you proclaiming it 
that what has happened inside your heart between you and God, that you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. You can't see that. None of us know that about each other, except that we say it. Right? And we seem saved because we then obey. There's fruit of obedience in our life. We find the fruit of the Holy Ghost because one of the uh, result of salvation is when you ask Christ, when you repent, when you turn from that wrong thinking, whether you were really, really religious and you say, oh, it's not about me doing all these good things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent of that. I'm going to turn from that mindset. That's a wrong way to do it. Or if you feel like I'm so wicked, you, you turn from that and says, well, God says his grace is greater than my sins. So he will forgive me if I turn. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn from those wrong thinking and I'm going to, I'm going to think like God says, and that he will accept me if I come to him. And so I did. And I turned, and he saved me. Correct? And as he saved you, he promised you a Holy Ghost. In our, in our time and age here, in the church age, the Holy Ghost comes and dwells inside of us. And that is the seed of the promise. That's the deposit to let us know, hey, you are mine. I, I sealed you. I have the Holy Ghost. I have me in the Spirit living inside of you. And when I call that up, when I call him up, you'll come with him. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. We'll be raptured up. We'll be caught up together in the clouds. And so shall we ever meet with the Lord. We'll be together with him. So the Holy Ghost is inside of us. And then the Holy Ghost performs a work of sanctification on a daily basis. Now in salvation, things happen in, in individuals that are so amazing. Some change. Quickly, in some things that they were struggling with. And it's, an, it's a very evident change by those around them. And they'll look at them and say, something's different about him or her. And I think for the most part, everybody that really truly gets saved, especially if they're older in, in, in their years, they have enough time to live the sinful life so that there's a mark, uh, demarcation of them being wicked. And now they get saved and now there's a clear, wow, there's a clear contrast. But... My little daughter that got saved at a young age, there's not going to be a clear contrast for you. Because all you know her to be is that she's always been in church all her life. She always says, yes, ma'am. She always says, yes, sir. But let me give you that home. She's a rebel. And by the way, I was too. And anybody good in here that seems to be good outwardly, we're all rebel in heart. If we got away with it, we would get away with it. I just had good parents that I couldn't get away with it. Right? Well, she's laughing. She knows it's true. At any rate, at any rate, uh, the only way people see Jesus in you is the Bible says, if they see it and hear it. So your conversation, in the sense of words, or your conversation, as Scripture says, your lifestyle. So that's what's important then, that we live according to, to God's principle of a Christian living. Husband, you need to be the husband God says you need to be. Wife, you need to be the wife God says you need to be. Senior citizen, you need to be the senior citizen God wants you to be. In the church, outside the church. All right? Pastor, yes? You need to be the pastor you need to be. Okay. I've been preached that Wednesday, so I might join and preach that myself. I need it. I need to be a testimony in here and out there. Okay? Because the power of our witness is our testimony. It's the backing to what we're saying. When we say, 
I'm a Christian, and they see you constantly going to church at a certain time. They see you uh, act to your wife in a way that a Christian should. They see you treat your children as a Christian should. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but at times, I'm not saying you're perfect, but they'll notice that. They'll notice, and the Bible talks about the world is watching you, and if they notice that, when you go to them and say, hey, you know what, uh, I want to share this to you, something very important in my life. Uh, you know, the reason why I go to church is because there's, there's a time in my life that I didn't know what was right and wrong. And I always wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't know how. But praise the Lord, somebody showed me from the scripture how I can know that I have a home in heaven. And I realized I was a sinner. There's nothing I can do about it. And then that there's a Jesus that can save my soul. And when I did that, my life changed. In fact, I become a pastor now. Uh, I went to the mission field. I see these people. And your word of testimony you could use, and you start getting into scriptures. First John 5.13 is what I like to use because that's what God used in my life. And so as you see that happen, I will tell you this, that they will probably think about it if they see the light backing that testimony. Rather than if you're living just like them, and then you say that, I think the power of that testimony might not be as evident. So live the proper life that you need to live. And so James is a book for people, the saved and the lost. If you want to learn how impactful your faith can be to others, you study the book of James. And don't confuse, because we confuse the book of James for those people that are believing on work-based salvation. When they believe salvation is by works, they go to the book of James and they'll tell me, well, you're contradicting the book of James. I ain't contradicting the book of James. Because the book of James is not justification to the sight of God. You know what I mean by that? I'm not trying to justify my faith to God in the book of James. I'm trying to, to put in manifestation the faith I have in God to the sight of men in the book of James. The book of James is for me to live my life because I say I have faith in God. Well, then if I have faith in God, the world needs to see that. And the way they see that is by the way you treat them, by the way you talk to them, by the way you love on them, by the way you're courteous to them, by the way you don't fly out in a rage because you get upset. And your attitude is right. That's the book of James. It's our life displayed to the world. And it may match up. It better be match up that we have faith in God. All right? So don't get lost in the book of James. And so James says this. Again, let me read it with that mindset now. Verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. Let me ask that question. How can you show the world that you believe in Jesus Christ? That's the question here. How can you show your co-laborers, your co-workers, if you're a student, your classmates, if you have family, your uncles and aunts and cousins, how do you show them you have faith in God? How do you show that? He said without works. How would you show that? Can you show it any other way? No trick question here. The verse answers us. We can't. There's no possible way for me to show Kenny here that I have faith in God except that I tell him. First of all, Brother Kenny, 
I, I know Jesus Christ. I got saved when I was 12. I trusted him as my Savior then. That's where it all started for me. I thought I had to work to get to heaven. I thought I had to be a good boy. But then somebody showed me from the Bible that I needed Jesus, that I could know for sure. I can start with my words. But then Kenny has to look at my life to see, well, he, he says he believes in God. And I know in, in the word of God that, that a Christian should be loving. And so he has some definition of what that is. And if he sees me slapping my wife around, and he sees me talking to, to you guys in a way that is very, very unloving, would he have the right to ask me later if he talks to me again? I'll say, hey, hey, I, I know Jesus. Hey, if he got to know me really well, he would have the chance to say, why are you slapping your wife? I'm calling the police on you, dude. And if not, I'm knock you, I'm knock you cold right now. Right? Right? Because you shouldn't be doing that. If you say you believe in God. Correct? And so that is the book of James. Works for the Lord can never save us. That is not the point of salvation. Not by the works of the law can a man be saved. Only by his mercy. And we do that through Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by faith are you saved through grace. Uh, All right. Continue. Labor number two. Letter number B. Labor of love. Labor of love. We see that in verse number 3 of 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul is remembering and commending this church in his letter. Your work of faith is evident. So that means these people were living their faith out. They were practicing the book of James. Their faith was not dead. It was alive. All right? By the way, you want to try something out? You want to try the effect of your faith? Obey what God says. Obey it out there. Live your life out there according to this. And see how exciting your life can be. Because people are going to stop you. And people are going to look at you weird. And if people look at you like, why are you doing that? Right? Well, I don't want that kind of a life. I understand. I don't want to be ridiculed or anything like that. But it will be exciting to see the effects of your faith, how, how it can work. Labor of love. The word for labor in this passage is kopos, which means intense labor united with trouble and oil. These Christians were focused and wholehearted in their labor for the Lord. Paul commended them, however, not just for the intensity of their labor, but because of the motive of their labor. That sometimes is overseen, but that is important. Your motive. Why are you so passionate about what you're doing? All right. They did what they did for Christ because they loved him. So simple. That's Christianity right there. If you can live like that, I come to church because I love God. I give because I love God. I tell the loss about Jesus because I love God. I love my wife because I love God. I love my children because I love God. I honor those in authority over me because I love God. Man, you'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. You can teach me. You can help me. Paul remembered them. However, not just for the intensity, right, but the motive. The Thessalonican service was not driven by duty. It was a labor of love. Now, good people have character. They're trained. And I suggest if you're going to be parenting, teach them character. And a lot of times character is trained and taught in hard circumstance. If a kid is going to want to eat, Whatever a kid wants to eat, you ain't teaching them character. 
They're just going to eat whatever they want. If they want candy, you just give them candy all the time, then they'll eat it with smiles in their faces because they don't care about teeth. What are teeth? You lose them? What? Mom, take care of me. Take me to the dentist. Ah, I don't want to go to the dentist. You don't have to go to the dentist. And then so nothing. Nothing gets done and it rots out of their mouth. Well, they get new ones anyways. So if you want to teach your children the simple sense of that they need to be thankful for the food that they're being given, guess what? There's going to be a time, I know it, as good as they are, as angelic, angelic as they are, they're going to have to sit there and eat green beans. They're going to sit there and eat asparagus. And whatever those stinking little car- cabbage, what do you call them? Brussels sprout. Well, they, they give it a beautiful name, but it smells like cabbage. It's just a miniature form. It smells. It's no good. My kids were driving in some of these places because they're not farmers. My kids are city people. We're in the city, all right? Two million people where we live, and they were all like that, all together. It's just the way Filipinos do it. They want to know what their neighbors are doing. So they'll put a wall right against I don't need to put a wall. I'm just going to use your wall and put it in here. In fact, if I really like you, I'll put a window in there and talk to you in the morning. Can I get some of your salt, please? You look like you got some oil over there. Can I, can I have some of that? I got visitors coming. That's how they do it. And so they come here, and our houses are so far apart. And they look at me and say, I can't even hear you, Mom and Dad. We can't hear you in this house. That's something good for us. We love that. It was like, wow, our kid's alive because we don't hear him. That's awesome. That's good square age. That's great. I didn't realize that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Can't hear. That means they can't hear us. Praise the Lord. Uh, anyways. Uh, the, the, the thought of it is uh, the kids uh, look, at, look at life very, very different. And so we were driving across some of the fields here, and they said, what is that smell? And they just harvested cabbages. And they said, well, that's cabbage. So why do we ever eat that? That's how it smells before you put it in your mouth. It's really bad, Dad. Let's not do that. I said, well. We'll not do that here. We've got lettuce, romaine lettuce. The greener it is, the more nutrients it has. Except if it's washed in the wrong kind of water. In amoeba, here we come. But anyways, uh, in the Philippines, be careful with the lettuce. Pre, if you ever go to the Philippines, don't eat every lettuce because it has to be washed right because amoeba stays in them and you're in trouble. All right? Labor of love. I'm talking about love. I think I'm getting distracted. That's what it is. I need to get moving here. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. It's all right. Going to eat tonight good. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For the love of Christ constrained us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. You see that? You see your identification with Jesus Christ? Ah, that's a whole time. I'm not going there. Do it another time. And he, and that he died for all, that they which should live, uh, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So you see, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you identify with Jesus Christ. You are in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. When my wife married me, in our law of the land, she takes upon my persona in the sense of that she now receives the right to have my name. That's the way we do it here still in America. In most parts of the world. And so she has now identified herself with me. We are now identified as Mr. and Mrs. Barron. Not the former Mr. and Mrs. Barron. That's my mom and dad. But 
But this Mr. And then we put sometimes the first name of the husband, right? We put Mr. and Mrs. Christopher Barron. We understand that as us. That's the representation of this marriage. Now, individually, we have identity. She's Elizabeth. I'm Chris. I'm not Elizabeth. And she's not Chris. But because we join together, we are now identified as Mr. and Mrs. Barron for the sake of that. And so here we find that when we accept Jesus Christ, we become identified through Jesus Christ. We are identified with him. That's why when we step into heaven's shore, God is not going to look at your sinful nature. Because you're not identifying as Chris Barron. I'm identifying as the son of God through Jesus Christ. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. I am covered by his reputation. His righteousness now is imputed upon me. Because he can go to heaven. Because he's holy. I am now righteous, declared by God. Not in action at times. Sanctification is working on me. The Holy Ghost. But in judicially, I am in paper. I'm sealed, guys. I, I'm, I'm in Jesus. When he presents me to heaven, I walk in, not as Chris Barron, but as a bought, redeemed son of God to the work of his son, Jesus Christ. So when I walk in there, I walk with Jesus Christ's credential. I walk in with his righteousness. That's why you can't work to get to heaven. Because if you work to get to heaven, that means your credential is at now going to be your ticket to get in. You're going to say, well, I'm this good. And God says, I ain't good enough. Sorry. Well, I ain't good enough. There's only one worthy. And that's my son, the lamb that was sacrificed on the cross. Now, if you go in his name, and if you're in him, I'll let you in. And so I did. I did as a 12-year-old boy. And so now when I step into heaven, I identify as God. And those, so that's why, again, I'm going back to this thought. When you go out to the world, you represent Jesus Christ. Can I say that? Now, maybe not the best representation of Jesus Christ, but at any rate, in principle, if you're saved, you say you're saved. If it comes out of your mouth, I am saved. Jesus Christ is my Savior. And then you go out there. You represent then Jesus Christ. You see how that works? When my wife goes out anywhere, she would represent me in some way. And if I go out anywhere, I represent her in some way. And if my children go anywhere, they represent me and my wife. Do you understand all of that? How we're in and how we belong? And so this verse then becomes very clear. For the love of Christ constrained us because we thus judge that if when died for all, then we're all dead. That means when Christ died, we identify with him up here. Have you accepted Jesus Christ? Yes, I have. Then I'm going to, by your profession, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son of God, buried in the likeness of his death. Who's dead? Jesus Christ. Raised to walk in the of life. So when you walk, when you come up, you not only identify with Christ being resurrected, you identify with his death. Thus, separation comes in because you're now dead to the world. That means the appetite and the lust of the flesh, the world pulls you. You have now the power to the Holy Ghost to say, no, because I died with Christ already. I identify with his death. 
So as what? So I can identify with his life. That's what it's talking about here. A lot of Christians have a problem with this. They feel like it's a contract between God and them and their salvation. I got saved and then I can live the way I want to live. That's a wrong view of the Christianity. It's not the true Christianity of Scripture. It's not. And that's why a lot of people are living lives that are not according to Christ. Because they don't understand the truth that what? Once you're in Christ, you identify with his death to the world. And now you are alive to live according as Jesus lived on the earth. Look at this. And that he died for all. And that we should live, should not henceforth live unto themselves. I don't, I don't see how any more clear you can be. But unto him which died for them and rose again. So Chris Barron is not living necessarily Chris's Barron's life. Right, Chris? I'm trying not to. Chris Barron is now living Christ in Chris Barron every single day. So when I treat my wife, I have to always ask myself, am I treating her as Chris Barron would or as Christ would? Am I treating my brother in the church as Christ would or as Chris would? Ask that yourself. Put your name there. Be weird if you're saying Chris. Man, I can't get done. Lord, bless us, these great people. I love them. Thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, bless our next service. I pray that we learn what this identification is. pray that we would not be ashamed of you. Lord, I pray as we died in the flesh, we want our witness to be powerful. We want it to be impactful. We want when we say something, Lord, there's an effect in the hearts of people. Help us to be kind. Help us to speak the truth in love. But yet we'll find the Holy Ghost can use it. And use your word as we carry it about in our hearts. And as it comes out of our mouth, may it be powerful. Help us to learn as we continue in Jesus' name. Amen.